Welcome to the Animal Rescue Podcast, what you always wanted to know but didn't know who to ask. I'm your host, Keisha Farrand. This week I talk with Gabe Horton of Poster Nashville. We discuss how Poster got started and the work they're doing to reduce pet homelessness. Poster bridges human services and animal services to support families around Nashville. To learn more about the work they're doing, you can check them out at www.posternashville.org, and Poster is spelled P-A-W-S-T-E-R, and you can check them out on social media at Poster Nashville. Hello, Gabe. Thank you so much for joining me on the Animal Rescue Podcast. Hi, so glad to be here. You are with Poster Nashville, correct? Yes. Okay. Can you tell me a little bit about what Poster is? Yeah. So Poster is a nonprofit. Um, We provide a really specific service called crisis foster care for cats and dogs. So when a pet's owner or family is in a crisis, let's say they're evicted, hospitalized, leaving a domestic violence situation, whatever the crisis is, we will house their dog or cat in a foster home until the owner's back on their feet. So, so Poster kind of straddles two worlds, the animal welfare world on the one side and human services on the other. Um, yeah. And so we're, we're really trying to to reach two different goals. So on the animal side, crisis foster care keeps the pet from being surrendered to a shelter. It keeps them with their family. We know that the best place for any pet is with the family who already knows and loves them. Right. Um, but the other piece is how just taking care of somebody's pet during a crisis helps the person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, domestic violence is, is a really stark example of that. So we know that that people will delay leaving unsafe situations because they don't have anywhere for their pets to stay. So if we can give the pet somewhere safe, then that survivor can get safety for themselves. So um, we like to say that foster care for pets creates access to resources for people. Yeah, for sure. So what is your role with Poster then? I'm the executive director um, and we're a young organization. So we just started in 2020. So that also means I was the you know chief poop scooper and everything else <laughs> too. Um, we just hired our first foster coordinator at the end of December, um, nice. which has been incredible. So yeah. Uh, yeah, and then we have an amazing board, uh, nine-person board of directors, and a ton of volunteers who keep everything running. Yeah, that's a good-sized board, especially yeah. for being so young still. Mm-hmm. And they're they're amazing. You you really anybody in the nonprofit world knows you you can't run an organization without a great board of directors. Yeah, for sure. What what was the reason for Poster getting started? I mean what specific thing happened that was like, yes, we need to do this? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, So we started in 2020, but the origin story goes a a couple years before that with um, a neighbor of mine. So his name was John. He had a dog named Lacey and Lacey, she's this like big fat pit bull who just had the best life in the world. (laughs) Um, my the, our neighbor was on disability, so that meant Lacey spent all day, every day with him. I mean, every dog's dream. Yes. He 
took her on long walks around the neighborhood every day. Everyone knew John and Lacey. Um, he would bring her to just hang out with our dogs in the backyard. So um, she was living the life. But yeah. then one day, this was probably, gosh, seven years ago now, her owner had a mental health crisis. He didn't know what to do with Lacey while he was getting treatment. And he took her to the shelter and surrendered her. We didn't even find out about it until after she was already there. Um, so he'd had this temporary crisis. And at the time, his only solution was to surrender her permanently. Yeah. So flash forward to March 2020. A lot going on there. Mm -hmm. remember. Um, I was furloughed from my job. I started thinking about people like John who have pets and experience a crisis with COVID. There were more people going to the hospital, losing jobs, losing housing. So I just started calling around to um, animal welfare organizations in Nashville. Uh, I learned a lot about just incredible organizations doing really good work to help uh, pets and to help people. And I got connected with Natalie Corwin, who co-founded the Pet Community Center. They're, the, they're an amazing nonprofit veterinary clinic. And she pretty much laid out um, the need and the solution uh, of this ongoing need long before COVID of helping people in crisis by taking care of their pets. And she really said, look, we need an organization like this in Nashville. Uh, why not you? And so we, we took it and ran with it. Um, I thought of Lacey and John, it made a whole lot of sense to me. And so I called up some friends. We founded Poster in May of 2020 with the mission to end pet homelessness before it begins. Yeah. And um, by October of that year, we fostered our first pet. She was a little cat named Kimora. And um, to date, we have provided care for over 240 pets whose owners were in crisis. Um, wow. 90% of them go home to their families afterwards. Anyone who doesn't, we rehome directly to a new family. So that's 240 pets who have not ended up in a shelter and whose people were able to get whatever help they needed uh, during a really hard time in their life. Yeah. Um, and I should say, because a lot of times people ask, um, John was one of the lucky few who, when his crisis was over, his dog was still at the shelter. And I was, was going to ask. He was, was able gonna... to go get her. We actually, it was funny. My wife at the time would occasionally surf Pet Finder and she saw Lacey on the website and said, is that Lacey? And uh, so sure enough, so we went down to the shelter and to just see her. And um, I mean, you hear about how being in a shelter setting shuts down dogs mm -hmm. and yeah, it was so true. I mean, she was, she was unrecognizable. She mm -hmm. used to, you know, wag her whole body when she yes. saw us and she was just laying there um, depressed. So yeah. So uh, his was a happy story. Too many folks, um, right. they go to the shelter and they, they don't come back. Mm -hmm. Wow. How long are most of these situations? Like, do you have, so backing up a little, I interviewed an organization out of Alabama who does something similar specifically for domestic violence situations. Mm -hmm. Um, and she talked about how it's generally like 60 days, sometimes 90 days 
is kind of their max. So do you guys have any sort of time frame? Um, how does that work? Yeah, we have a stated maximum of 90 days, um, which has become pretty standard. So around the time that we started, organizations like ours were popping up around the country. And so we actually now have a monthly call where we all get together and talk about kind of the best way to do things. And that's one of the um, topics that a lot of times comes up is what's what's the time frame? Um, and really, that's all about it's not arbitrary. It's more what's most helpful to people. So we found that most crises are resolved within 90 days. Our average stay is a little over two months. But if somebody is in a situation um, where they're you know, totally out of their control and they need to keep fostering the pet beyond 90 days, we work with them. Absolutely. We've had a dog for over a year before, but, oh, wow. um, but the average is two to three months. Yeah. You said that you get together with on a monthly call with other similar organizations throughout the country. Yeah. So country and um, Canada, we have a few and cool. it's, it's really neat because so posture is um, kind of a uh, catch all for every crisis. So yeah. um, someone loses housing, they're evicted, they go to the hospital, domestic violence, addiction treatment, um, short-term incarceration, natural disaster. It's really, if if it is a temporary situation where fostering the pet will help you keep them long-term, we'll do it. Um, but then there are some that really focus in on one issue. So like the one you're talking about in Alabama, yeah. um, there's a similar one in uh, the state of Georgia that just works with domestic violence. There's one in Atlanta that just focuses on a loss of housing. Um there's a great organization in Texas that works with people going into addiction treatment and they're really a model and we're trying to, to learn from them and follow suit. They're a model on following up with people after the reunion. So they actually provide a full year of follow-up care, uh, both for the pets and the people. They, they make sure that they're doing well in their own recovery. Um, so they are kind of what we're, that's our next step is figuring it out, out how we can best support people, not only during the foster period to, to resolve their crisis, but also afterwards so that it doesn't happen again. Yeah, that's amazing. I know, and specifically with um, addiction recovery, having those support systems in place makes it so much easier to continue. Um, yeah. Yeah. How are you the only organization like this in Tennessee? Yes, we um, are excited because um, Williamson County Animal Shelter, which is just south of Nashville, they are about to start their own crisis foster care program out of the shelter. And so that's another um, thing that we'll see. Some are uh, independent nonprofits like ours. Some are within an, an existing shelter or rescue. Um, so Williamson County is about to start theirs, which is great because we cannot handle the number of requests that we get. So to be able to tell people in Williamson County that there's a resource there for them is going to be amazing. Um, Nashville Humane did have a program for, um, I think, about two years, and then they decided to shift 
priorities to focus on other community resources. But, um, you know, we're, we're a big advocate for starting programs like this in whatever community you're in. So if any of your listeners are uh, with a shelter or organization, or um, maybe they just are feeling very moved by the idea, there's a very good chance that your community needs uh, an organization that provides crisis care for pets. Yeah. How did you get started? I mean, understanding the origin story, but the logistics of it. So the board, how did you find those people? How did you get funding? And like, those are the things that I think scare people off from starting programs like this. Yes. Um, no, I'm glad you asked. We actually, so Foster goes to Bonnaroo and has a table at Bonnaroo every year. This is not the answer to your question. This is a roundabout Still very answer. cool though. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the best part of the year. Um, but we actually gave a talk last year that was how to start a nonprofit with me and two other nonprofit founders, because that is a big hurdle. It's intimidating mm-hmm. like to start an organization from scratch. Yeah. Um, but the short answer is we did it with a lot of help from other organizations. So um, we in Nashville had at the time a group called the Safe Coalition, which was every animal welfare organization in Nashville, and they welcomed us with open arms. Um, and we, what we did was we just went to these meetings and we asked all the questions we could so that we weren't reinventing the wheel on anything. Uh, rescues have been fostering pets for decades, so we don't need to uh, reinvent how to start a foster program. There's right. tons of resources around that. Um, and the logistics of starting a nonprofit are not nearly as overwhelming as they sound. Um, so we were lucky within the board to have people who could, you know, file the paperwork with the IRS. Um, the hardest part was making the bylaws, which, you know, is just a big legal document laying out every possible aspect of the organization. But we started with, you know, a draft from Google and adapted it to suit our purposes. Um, and then it's really the people that you can bring in to be that first board of directors. Um, honestly, we, um, you know, if, if we were to do it again, I think I would um, be even more, um, try, try to get even more people on board on the program side. So our board is really good at strategizing, at planning, um, but it was really just me doing the actual foster care piece of it. Mm-hmm. And um, like we have a, an organization in Utah that we talked to a lot and they had a four person team doing everything. And they've, you know, that's like the dream. Um, yeah. So I think, I think getting as many people as you can bought into it and then just asking the organizations that are already doing it um, how to do it. And then really the, all that's left is to just kind of, get to work in your own community. Um, For us also starting during the pandemic was unique. So everything was virtual. Um, You know, a lot of times people ask how we get foster homes and we were fortunate to start as an all virtual organization because we had to learn how to do everything over a computer. So it was a lot of social media outreach, um, just people Googling Fortunately, a lot of people were looking for foster pets during that time. 
Um, but now that we're out of the pandemic, we've uh, found a lot of folks through events, any kind of event we can go set a table up at um, and just getting connected with um, universities are a great resource. So college students make amazing fosters because they have time. They are uh, probably more committed to taking care of this pet than anyone else would be. Interesting. So, yeah. I would not have thought of college students for that. Yeah, that was a, a tip actually given to us by the our local shelters foster program um, that just, you know, they're enthusiastic. They want to learn. They uh, usually there's several people taking care of the pets, so they're probably never alone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there, is there a vet program in Nashville? Oh, that's a great question. Our um, new foster coordinator, she's actually a, a veterinary nurse, and we were just talking this week. There is a um, vet school, I can't remember where, but it's, you know, close by. And she said, well, why aren't we asking them to be fosters? Yeah. So, yeah. Because they could do even like medical fosters, things like that. Exactly. Yeah. How... One of the reasons that I started this podcast is because I was volunteering for a local shelter in Alabama and anytime I was looking for resources, it just felt really hard. It was overwhelming, daunting. You can go to Google and you get 13 million search results and you don't know who is who you need to contact. And if you do reach out to someone, it's really hard to get an answer back. So if someone needs crisis care for their pet, if they're not in Tennessee or they're not in Alabama, like how do you even find these resources? Yeah, that's uh, a good question that, you know, doesn't have a, a great answer right now. I think that's a really uh, important thing that we are all trying to um, work on. So we actually just last week um, added to our website um, a document that has organization like organizations like ours across the country, and th and that's built from that uh, group that meets every month. We just yeah. made a list state by state. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the states right now don't have any organization listed. But so if you're you know in another community, the, really all you can do is just start with your local shelter, your local humane association and and go from there. For us, the you know, the other side of that question is how does somebody in a crisis it, right in the middle of a crisis find out about Poster? Mm -hmm. And um what we've done is work really hard to build partnerships with any organization that might be the entry point for that person. So sometimes it is the shelter, you know, they go to the yeah. shelter, they say, Hey, I'm getting evicted tomorrow. I don't know what to do with my dog. Um, sometimes it is the human organization. So if you're a social worker at a local hospital by now, hopefully you know about foster. And so somebody comes in um, and they had to leave their animal at home or like this one woman who refused to get in the ambulance without her cat. You have a cat sitting there in the hospital room and they're not supposed to be there, but uh, the the nurses are usually work, work with us to, until we can find a foster. Yeah. Um, 
But we try to make sure that anywhere, so if somebody's calling to go into treatment for addiction, that whoever's doing the intake there knows that if they have an animal they need taken care of during treatment, that they can reach out to us and get that set up before they even go in. Obviously, domestic violence shelters. Um, so, yeah, and that's, um, again, though, we're, we're trying to build that not just here in Nashville, but we are uh, a want to be a presence in all of middle Tennessee, which is kind of a vague area, but um, Nashville and surrounding counties. And so a, a lot of our work this year, especially is building relationships outside of uh, Davidson County, which is Nashville mm -hmm. um, and trying to get all of those different organizations in every County around here, which is, which is a big task, but yeah, um, it's all about just making sure when somebody needs it, it doesn't take too many steps to get to us. Mm -hmm. So you're currently just serving middle Tennessee. Are you looking to expand if someone from Knoxville or Memphis reached out? How, like, Yeah, we don't have geographic restrictions. It's more yeah. a practical thing that mm -hmm. uh, just logistically getting pets to foster homes, which are all in middle Tennessee. Um, we have had a few people. We had someone from um, Johnson City, which is the far corner of the state, yes. who said, look, I'll drive the four and a half hours to get down there if you can take care of my pet. Um, so I, I do think that, you know, Memphis and Knoxville, those and Chattanooga, those are the other big cities. Um, I'm sure that there is someone in those cities who could start an organization like ours. And maybe we could be, you know, really helpful in getting them started so they don't yeah. have to reinvent the wheel. Um, but at this point, we're just really focused on doing what we can in our area. Yeah. How about if people wanted to get involved? Maybe they're not experiencing a crisis, but they want to provide support in some way. Um, how do people get involved with foster? Yeah. Uh, the biggest thing you can do is to foster a pet. So um, you can definitely go on our website. It's posternashville.org. Um, it really is the best way to volunteer. I mean, if you're an animal lover and you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already a foster, but um, our fosters like it, especially because one, they know that they're helping a person too. Um, so fostering on its own is its own reward because you get to hang out with a dog or cat. Right. Um, but it's nice to know that there's um, someone else on the other end of that animal. And what's what surprised me is that um, they say that it makes the goodbye a whole lot easier after the foster period because they're not just going off to some unknown place. Mm -hmm. They're going back to the family who already knows and loves them. So, yes. Um, and we're, again, we're trying to find fosters outside of just Nashville. So if, if you're in a surrounding County, we definitely want to sign up. Um, we want you to be a, able to help the people in your own community. We don't want it to be just, um, you know, people in Williamson County or, uh, Rutherford County coming into Nashville to get help. We want it to really be um, Rutherford County helping Rutherford County, Wilson yeah. County helping Wilson County. Um, and so, yeah, so that's fostering. Fostering is obviously the the best way to help. We also have pet chauffeurs. So again, if you're local and um, you're able to drive and you want to spend some time with a pet, that helps the fostering happen. 
So um, we're always looking for our, our pet chauffeurs. And of course, if you can't volunteer in person, person please consider making a donation. Um, we are, are a nonprofit, so we're entirely funded by donations, grants, um, any amount helps. You can find that information on the website, but we're excited because with our new foster coordinator, uh, Megan, she has doubled already the rate at which we're bringing in pets for foster care. So just having just having a, a staff person devoted to that has made such an incredible difference. Um, but that also means we now have to make sure we can fund veterinary care and pet supplies for mm -hmm. so many more pets. So, um, yeah, we're always looking for people who really have a heart for pets and for people and want to make a big difference in the community. Yeah. Now, when people foster, you guys take care of all of the food and supplies and everything, too? Yes. So we um, will provide comprehensive veterinary care um, within reason. The only things we don't cover is if it's um, like an ongoing issue that we can let the owner know what their options are. Um, but we definitely do all vaccinations, microchips, spay neuter if they're not already spayed or neutered. Um, and then we provide all the supplies. We really want to make fostering accessible for people who maybe it has not been accessible to before. So um, if the cost of buying a dog bowl is too much, you know, we're, we're providing everything. So a foster shouldn't have to spend any money to take care of a pet. You're just giving your, your time and your energy. Yeah. Well, this has been awesome. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you feel like people should know about foster or um, organizations helping out in crisis situations? Um, that's a great question. I think just to reiterate that it's as much about the people as it is about the pets. Um, we're, we're lucky that we get to touch these emotional points where people who love animals can really get passionate about it. People who care about domestic violence. This is a piece of that people who care about addiction treatment. So, um, we really are trying to help families, meaning the pet, meaning the person through some of the hardest times of their lives. And the biggest reward is on the other side of it, seeing them come together. So, um, I guess my last recommendation would be to check out our social media where we put out on the reunion videos, because that is the, whenever I'm feeling discouraged, I'll just pull up some reunion videos and watch because yeah. when a dog sees their owner after two or three months away, and especially when they don't recognize them at first yes. and they have to go up and sniff them and then you see their whole body wiggle, oh it's, it's the best thing in the world. Oh, that's amazing. I'm going to go check that out right now. <laughs> Please do. Those are the best. All right. Well, Gabe, thank you so much for joining me. And I really appreciate the time. And I hope people um, check out Poster Nashville. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe. If you have ideas for future guests, please email me at theanimalrescuepodcast at gmail.com or follow me at the Animal Rescue Pod on Instagram and Facebook. 
You can also learn more about the organizations I interview and different ways that you can listen to or watch the podcast at www.theanimalrescuepodcast.my.canva.site.